Are you ready to reach a whole new audience and skyrocket your brand's visibility? Introducing your golden opportunity. You can advertise your product, service, or business here on the Friends of Beauty podcast. This is the ultimate platform to connect with a vibrant community of beauty enthusiasts, professionals, and trendsetters. Our devoted listeners are passionate about all things beauty, and your message deserves to be heard. Whether you're a makeup brand, a skincare guru, salon owner, or anything in between, this is your chance to captivate a dedicated audience. Imagine your brand's name resonating through earbuds, sparking conversations, and inspiring action. This is your chance to make waves in a sea of possibilities, so don't wait. Step into the spotlight and let your message be heard, okay? Connect with us today at friendsandbeauty.com slash advertise to seize your moment on the Friends of Beauty podcast. Don't worry, I'll leave everything down below for you and elevate your brand, capture attention, and make an impact. I look forward to sharing your brand with my friends in beauty, okay? So let's go ahead and jump back into the episode. Even interview a person before... Um, from Crown Hunt, um, Stephanie LaFleur, and she was telling me that even in cosmetology schools, they don't even teach, up until maybe like a couple of years ago, in cosmetology schools, they don't even teach how to do textured hair. And I That's was like I was blown gonna... away. I had no idea that that was happening. That's what I was going to say when you were like, they don't have qualified people. It's like, let's talk about the qualifiers. Most, the, the hair certifying body is the cosmetology board. Mm. And they don't even acknowledge Andre Walker's hair typing system. So like they teach hair is hair and pass out straight hair mannequins. Wow. So there's not even a detangling section for textured hair. So of course people don't know anything about this hair. And when your job depends on making people look a certain way, you may feel incentivized to blame that person for why they look that way. Welcome to the Friends in Beauty podcast, a safe space for ambitious beauty industry creatives to have real talk, get authentic answers and practical tools to grow their businesses. Join me every week as me and my special guests reveal the keys to longevity and success in the beauty industry from the ups and downs of their journey to the nitty gritty of their struggles and triumphs. We're spilling the tea on it all and most importantly, having fun while doing it. You ready? Welcome to the Friends and Beauty Podcast, Shalita. Hi, thank you. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you, y'all. Shalita is a Tony-nominated actress and the CEO of Four Naturals Hair. And I absolutely love how you came across your business or came about your business. So I'm really excited to talk to you today about that. Oh, I'm excited <laughs> too. <laughs> Yay. So before we get started... We're definitely going to start off with some icebreakers so we can get to know you a little bit outside of what you do for your business and professionally. So the first one, give us three random facts about you. Okay, <laughs> three <laughs> random facts. Um, I can say, hello, how are you in like seven different languages? Love um, I, I love socks. They're like one of my favorite. Uh, it's kind of a must. Uh, even in the stress, I have the most hilarious socks. <laughs> um, and my third random fact, hmm. <laughs> um, third random fact. I'm actually really good at gardening. <laughs> That's great. That's a great random fact. What's the the 
I guess like the last thing that you grew that like really surprised you like oh I did that yeah gardenias gardenias oh that's so nice and they smell really good I bet I bet I haven't I keep saying I'm going to restart my garden and I just did not do it this year but the thing that shocked me the most is I grew a watermelon wow like it didn't get too big it was like this big and then I had to move from the apartment I was at to where I am now. And I just kind of like just... neglected it. <laughs> but it got to like, it was like this big. And I was like shook. I was like, wow, I really grew a watermelon. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh. When I lived in New Orleans, that's when I picked up gardening. And my whole backyard was an edible garden. So mm-hmm. I had like a kitchen box. I had sweet potatoes. I had peas. That was really amazing. I don't have that much land where I am now. (laughs) I love that. I love that. So what is your favorite travel destination? Okay. My favorite travel destination has to be, yeah, it's still Barcelona. I was going to say Thailand, Mm -hmm. but um, so (laughs) friends of beauty, um, I am a THC um, imbiber, I guess. Um, and so when I went to Thailand in 2018, uh, weed was not legal. Weed is now legal in Thailand. So now I'm like, I want to go like, it's like alcohol there. Like you can sit at the beach and they like open up like a bunch of joints for your, (laughs) (laughs) but while I was there actually was when they legalized it in December of 2018, but it took them over a year and a half to like get started and so but my actual favorite is Barcelona it's the walking for me it's the the way that the streets are set up you don't hit a corner you just like go around and then you make this half circle and then you go straight it's just like the the Ramblas that's what they call them but it's like the gothic district and it's these like alleyways. And I love getting lost. I actually really enjoy traveling alone. My partner now, like it's like traveling alone because uh-huh. we're both so curious and love like, let's just go around this corner and see what happens. Yeah. And in other countries, I'm not worried about people shooting me. So, you know, you can just go and be curious and have like a lovely human experience. Exactly. Um, so I love, I love Barcelona. I love the city. I love the shopping. Um, it's, it's really a charming, charming place. I love it. I want to go there so bad one day, ever since I saw like the cheetah girls in Barcelona, I was like, I got to go there. I have to. <laughs> oh, and fun weed fact, uh, in Barcelona, it's actually illegal to sell weed, to buy weed, but you can have it. You can get it you can be gifted it and you can find it. Oh, okay. Like just drop this right here on the floor. $5, (laughs) $10. So what does this mean? They actually have marijuana social clubs. So you go and you like have your ID. It's very formal. You have the rules like, and you don't buy your weed there. You buy points Mm -hmm. and your points gets your weed from their dispensary, but you can't bring it out of the dispensary. You can only have it there. So they have like these large uh, businesses that are like weed, like people are like smoking weed and working and like, you know, they have like cafeterias and like rooms with certain vibes and like art Mm. and stuff. It's super cool. That sounds like a vibe. I know my best friend would absolutely love that. She's a cannapreneur. So her and her partner, they have a cannabis business 
And she's always trying to like curate like different vibes and stuff and like that. That sounds cool. Yeah, yeah. It's so fun. It's such a cool, cool. It's that it's a vibe, Barcelona. I love it. Okay, Barcelona, we see you. We see you. So I have these things called pod decks. It's like this deck of cards that have random questions in them. This is a what the heck and a would you rather. Which one okay. would you like? Um, what's the difference between what the heck? What's what the heck? Like it might be like something shocking, like what like why would you who would think of that? Like, okay, let's like do that, that one. Okay. Because <laughs> sometimes I'm like, okay, it's sometimes they're pretty cool, but sometimes it's like, okay, who thinks of that? Oh, <laughs> uh, this is an interesting one. If if it's not true, then we'll ask another one. So this one says, Have you ever been arrested? If so, for what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never been arrested, but I have been close. Um <laughs> close. This- Almost doesn't count. That's what Brandy says. <laughs> Almost doesn't count. Yes. Would you ever pick up a hitchhiker? Hell no. Absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. Yeah, me either. The soft-hearted person in me will want to, but like I watch too much true crime. True so crime, no, absolutely not. No way. Yeah. Sorry, wrong time. <laughs> what do people always tell you that you're good at aside from what you do professionally? Um, what am I good at? I don't know that I'm funny. (laughs) Like I talk to people and they're like, oh my God, you're so funny. And it's like, this is just my brain. I'm not really like trying. Um, yeah. And then I'm easy to talk to. Yeah. Okay. I love that. Um, when is the last time that you did something for the first time? Surfing. Okay. So wild I guess this should have gone in the random fact section (laughs) but um I live next to a volcano um so we're about 40 kilometers from El Popo and it's like Popocatepetl that's the way (laughs) Popocatepetl is the name of the volcano and it's huge it's massive and it's so beautiful but it's been dormant for a while except this year back in April it started like erupting and it was like smoke And all year it's been ashy, right? Like we go outside and there's like ash outside. So we like sweep, but last, well, not last month now, because we're in July, but in May, May, June, in May, in the middle of May, it just started going like actual lava. So one day, one Sunday we woke up and it was like independence day and it was like raining ash. And I was like, yo, we probably need to get out of here because at the end of the day, while the lava may not get you because we're 40 kilometers away, it's the evacuation that's going to be a pain in the neck because we're higher in altitude than Denver. So like getting out of here could be like hectic. So we just got on the road and we've been on the road for about a month. We went, got on the road in the middle of May. That's why the hitchhiker question is like, (laughs) no, (laughs) been there a million times. Absolutely never did it. Um, But we, we kept going until the middle of June. So we went down to Oaxaca Centro and then we drove six more hours down to the coast. So the Pacific ocean. And we were in Puerto Escondido, Puerto Puerto, Puerto Escondido, Mazunte, Playa Zipolite, and uh, there's another like playa, like that entire like area. And uh, in Zacatela, it's the surf capital. So we went surfing for the first 
time. So that was last month. That is so cool. And they have so many, um, I just came across like an article. I was, I don't even know where I was flying. I was reading those magazines they have on the plane. There's like a whole club now for like black girls who surf. Yeah, that's really awesome. All I don't really know if I'd be good in the club though. <laughs> uh, just because like <laughs> my partner still laughs at me because when we were in the water, like I'm little. So the board he gave me was really wide. So I couldn't really swim out to the weight. So he had to come and get uh-huh. me and push me to where the waves are in the middle yeah. of the ocean. So I don't know if I'd be a good club member, but I could bring the snacks. Yeah, you, you just need a special board exactly it's all yes yeah so the last one if you were an actress and of course the ceo of four naturals or four naturals four four anyways <laughs> what else could you see yourself doing oh wow okay this is gonna sound really strange but uh this is where it comes from so i don't know if you're familiar with the book uh the 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 mysterious life of Henrietta Lacks, or uh-uh. it's a story about this black woman from like uh, the fifties who went to Johns Hopkins hospital where I was born and they totally took advantage of her cancer cells. And it's her cells, the HeLa cells that make up the foundation of modern uh, biology, modern mm-hmm. medicine. So they've duplicated her cells to make all kinds of medications and things and never told her or her family. Hmm. So they wrote a book about it. There was a movie about it. Um, So for me, what I noticed was that um, I've had a nose ring like twice. I did it when I was 18 and then I did it a few years ago. When I was 18, the hole would never close. Like I would like take the, the piercing out and it would immediately close. So a month of this, I was like, whatever. Yeah. But then I fast forward. I'm like, I was just not patient. Um, so I did this back when I was like 31, 30. And I had this nose ring in for two and a half years. Uh-huh. The day that I decided to switch out the ring, finally, the hole closed up. Really? So <laughs> I would like to, after Four Naturals, I want to have the tissue in my nose examine and get the like the the dna like i don't know what for adhesives or some kind of like natural like for burn victims and things that makes the skin come together because there's something going on with this tissue that is nowhere else in my body like i get keloid scars or like a dark mark on my skin even on my face like if i have a pimple it goes away and it scars dark, but it never scars on my nose. And again, that skin, it closes like so quickly. So that's random. I mean, that's pretty cool. You might be onto something. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. But we'll see. That's more money and time. (laughs) Okay. Well, look, thanks for sharing that. I look forward to seeing this um, adhesive uh, discovery. I don't know. It's going to be something though. (laughs) That's pretty cool. So you said you were born in Johns Hopkins. So that means you're from Baltimore. Yep. From Baltimore. Were you raised there too? I lived there the first. So my parents were kids. uh, So we moved a lot. Um, So the first year I was with my mom. And then uh, the next year I was with her mom. And then for three years, I was with my dad's mom. And then my mom got locked up when I was five. 
So I got down to Virginia and I stayed in Virginia from five to 15. Uh And then I moved back to Baltimore from 15 to 17. Okay. Yeah. So Uh, no. And yes. (laughs) What part of Virginia? Oh, uh, Petersburg, Dinwiddie, Hopewell, Richmond, Chesterfield, Henrico, like every year when my mom got out of jail, like we moved every year um, to a different city in Virginia. Gotcha. Until I left. Okay. Okay. So you said, what age again were you in Baltimore? You came back? Uh, 15, 15, 15. to 17. 15 years. Okay. Cause you don't, you don't have the, um, the accents. No, I don't have the mother, father, sister, brother. No. <laughs> Do to. Yeah, I'm in DC. So we always, uh, you know, yes. So growing up, okay, so you were raised by your grandmothers pretty much uh, from time to time. Like, what was your relationship with your hair growing up being raised by two two different sets of grandparents? Two separate sets of grandparents. And then when my mom got out of jail, it was living with her. Mm -hmm. And so my grandmother on my mom's side had been a hairstylist since before I was even born. So she had a hair salon in Baltimore and then she, that burned down. And then she had hair dreams too in Petersburg, Virginia. And she's had that since before I was born. Wow. Um, and it's right next to Fort Lee Army Base. So when I moved in with her when I was five, you know, she was, she, she would do my hair, like she, but she would relax it, right? She mm-hmm. would relax it. And then we would do it like styles. Cause my grandmother's hair salon, we did waterfalls. We had like, you know, the, the bun, the, the French roll with the rods and, you know, like we did it all. Right. And, uh, when my mom got out of jail, she started like doing hair too. And so with my mom, like she would go even further with the avant-garde like style. So we had the bows in our hair using our <laughs> own ponytail hair, you know, it was ridiculous. But <laughs> back then my hair was super thin. It was really ashy and light. And it was like, while it could get wet, it didn't stay wet. And it, like I said, it was super fragile and I couldn't grow my hair past a certain point. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to middle school, I'm taking more responsibility for doing my hair every day. And I had this relaxer. And because then uh, the wigs, different wigs started becoming popular. Oh, all I wanted was a wig because my hair was so thin, uh-huh. right? And like limp. So I remember I got this one wig. And I, you know, I stopped like combing the wig and stuff. And one time I went into, my grandma had had a hair, uh, a restaurant for a little period. And we went into the restaurant and all of our family worked there. And my uncle was like, Bebo Lottie got more hair than she got body. Uh-uh. <laughs> so he got that for Friday, but you know, it was like, he said, I look like a, a toothpick, a, a Q-tip. Uh, because I had all this hair, <laughs> this little scrawny body, and be your own family, right? So, um, so, <laughs> right? So then fast forward, I'm at Juilliard, and I'm sweating a lot because every day, 9 a.m., we have an exercise class our first year. Mm. So now I'm dealing with a different lifestyle 
and my hair wasn't able to keep up with that, right? So I was going to the Dominican salons and getting blowouts in New York mm -hmm. and uh, my hair was like being blown out. And so I went back home to Virginia one, like the Christmas and my mom like cut off all of the screwed up hair. And so I had a mullet basically. Mm -hmm. um, it was like short up top and along the back. But this was like 2007, right? Like totally not the mullet era, right? Yeah, not, not at all. And Manhattan, right? So like, no. Um, so I had, Nicole Bahari was a fourth year when I was a first year. And she was like, you should go natural. You should look into it. And so she told me about YouTube and I go to YouTube and I discovered this whole world of like people that make videos on how to do your hair. Mm -hmm. And so I started experimenting and cutting off all the bad hair and I had some pretty healthy for me hair, but healthy black hair. Let's talk about what that is. Yes. Healthy black that hair. First, if what you're trying to to solve the problem you're trying to solve is that your hair is dry and for me I was like looking at these girls on YouTube and I, I didn't have curls like them I had a fro right okay. mm -hmm. and so I had to go to the girls that were making their curls right so curl definition was a real issue so I'm twisting so this is time and this is money too like yeah. oh buy this product buy this new product is doing this it's doing that and then you put it on your hair and you get build up <laughs> or it's not like shiny, it doesn't do anything, or it works for a while and then it stops. So yeah. that was like my experience back then. But this was still like good hair for me because it was thick and I had a lot of it. Mm -hmm. But then after graduation, I had an audition where I felt like the character wears her hair straight, right? So I'm like, I've been natural for all these years. I've got length. Let me like check it out. And I like flat iron my hair. I got a call back, didn't get the job, shampoo my hair. And I had these like lymph strands, like whole section of my hair straight. Yeah. And the parts that were like curly, they were like this way nouveau curl. And it was mm -hmm. just like, oh my God, I ruined my hair. One flat iron session ruin my hair. Wow. So for years, for about three years, up to my Tony nomination, I was dealing with that one flat iron session. So it was like, okay, maybe the curl will come back months of using conditioners and hair creams. Didn't see it. Then it was like, okay, why don't I cut the most egregious parts and like do like a bob thing. Mm -hmm. Then my show goes to Broadway. Now I have to do press. Right. So like, I, I got to keep doing my hair to show up to places and every time I flat iron my hair. So on my uh, Four Naturals hair website, I have a blog about relaxing, uh, about flat ironing relaxed hair. Because for a lot of people who live in relaxers, they all end up with pixie cuts. You never really, mm -hmm. it's rare to see relaxed long hair, like the hair just deteriorates. Oh, wow. So when I got to NCIS, you know, this, I'd been in LA for about a year and a half and I had an agent, a commercial agent tell me, you know, by the time I got to LA, I had this pixie cut and they were like, she looks old. Would she be open to wearing wigs and extensions to like, and I'm like, yeah, I need to work. <laughs> so then I started experimenting with the weaves and extensions and the wigs. And then I got my first series regular job. And then 
my typical black girl experience totally was like part of the the undermining of me like leaving the show because at the end of the day I have this typical black hair but I have this atypical career that requires the constant use of my hair and because I was working with people that didn't know much about how to care for this hair and the reality of my hair was no matter how much caring I try to do it's going to deteriorate from wear and tear and so I found myself walking down from the top of this mountain that I had climbed all because of my hair wow that is a fascinating story it's so (laughs) much it's so much to unpack in there because okay let's backtrack a little bit so you first discovered your natural hair when you were in college. Yeah. Was that the first time that you had ever seen like your natural hair? Yeah, it was. And, and it what was, was like, that like? It was like, <laughs> it was like finding out that like Santa Claus is like real. You know what I mean? <laughs> like when I, when I saw like, okay, I started using like conditioners from Whole Foods, like more natural, like I had natural hair, but I started using more natural uh, ingredients, right? And I I would have to wash my hair every week, but that conditioner, like, wow, it made my hair so nice. And I had those peekaboo curls where in the shower, girl, you turn that light on, baby. I was a star. But then as soon as I rinsed it out, by the time I got in front of the mirror, it was a fro, but it was a thick fro and yeah. it was a, it was softer, but it was still a fro. So yeah. for me, it was like, wow, like I do got hair. My hair is not thin naturally. That was like the relaxer and all the wear and tear. And if I just kind of leave my hair alone, I can like watch it thrive better. Yeah. Yeah. One thing you mentioned too, you said going to the audition, you felt like the character had straight hair. Is that something that you typically do when you're going to audition? Like you kind of, you kind of visualize what the character may look like and you show up as that. Yeah, you have to. So in Hollywood, like, so right now we're in a strike. So nobody's working. Right, right. right, And this is, it's historic because it's the first one in 15 years. The first one 15 years ago, I was at Juilliard and it was from the safety, the economic safety of a university that I got to watch the industry change. And back then, a-list work, A-list actors started taking B-list work and B-list people started taking C-list. And then, you know, we got streamers a few years after uh, the strike ended. And, you know, we all started taking these deals. And then now we are where we are now, right? Mm-hmm. So back then, you know, the the competition raised dramatically so Mm -hmm. when you're auditioning Mm -hmm. in LA you're auditioning against ideas that the producers already have when they like get their stuff greenlit they already have a short list of people they want to hire for these jobs right Mm -hmm. so if you want to stand out you really have to give them like this is what you're going to get day one and sometimes they will pitch you against a a list actor to see like you know is this person worth the gamble right Mm -hmm. so really with acting I never tell people to get into acting and not because I'm a hater but because at the end of the day most people don't understand that your full-time job is looking for work 
That's mm. what you do full time. Wow. If you're auditioning and you're doing meetings, especially yeah. when you're new. And those auditions and meetings are a blessing because they are the opportunity, right? So, you know, when I first got to Hollywood, I was a Tony nominated actor, which meant that I kind of bumped the line on a lot of people, but I would still have auditions that, especially that first year, casting directors in LA would ask me, oh, so you do Broadway, can you do like regular acting? It's like, what is regular <laughs> acting, ma'am? You know, like what the hell? So it's, 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 a, it's steep competition in yeah. LA. So yeah. I quickly had to learn that I have to come as a character. So mm-hmm. there would be some auditions where I would do braids. I auditioned for Creed. And that sucked because I literally did exactly what they ended up going with, with Tessa Thompson, with the braids and the plaid shirt. And they were like, my braids were distracting. And then Tessa Thompson like <laughs> did the braids. So yeah. I remember like sending the stills of this, of the trailer to my manager, like, <laughs> but it was just like, they just didn't want me, you know, right. at the end of the day, you have to like find something. So yeah, there was a lot of work on my hair, especially that first year before I booked work. Wow. Cause I would imagine I'm a makeup artist, but I would imagine like being the actor, actress, like playing different characters and like embodying what those characters look like could be fun. Like it's fun to be able to transform, but did you think it would take a toll on your hair the way that it did? So yes, that was my, my attitude was what you just said was like, you know what? Cause it was actually from an audition rejection that I learned like, Oh, you got to come correct. Like that's what they basically said. So I was like, all right, great. I'm going to embrace it. So when I would have period stuff, I would spend so much time on YouTube looking up like how to do like 1940s hair Mm -hmm. and like, you know, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, that's unpaid labor, right? So after about, I think it was like 10 months of like heavy auditioning, getting close, getting test deals, and then then picking someone else. Um, I found myself like crying on the couch in my beach bungalow in Redondo Beach. And I was like, this is how LA kills your dreams. You know, they just like make you work and work and work until you just can't do it anymore. Like, <laughs> I'm a Tony nominated bartender. Like what the hell? <laughs> Not the fight. I had to act for those jobs because I never bartended a day in my life. Mm-hmm. I just lied my way through all of it until they fired me. And I was like, this is not sustainable. Like, I'm not good at this. I'm good at this other thing. So I need to get hired. Um, But yeah, it took a year, almost a year to the day to start working. And when it comes to like the deterioration of my hair during that time, you know, because these auditions were like one-offs for the most part, I didn't really see the damage like I did when I had a regular job. Right. 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 So can you share like, so what exactly happened with your hair when you were on NCIS that led you to be like, okay, I can't take this anymore. I got to step away. Yes. So when I first got on the show at the end of season one, I was in a wig and I had like some leave out and it was still that hair from, you know, years before relaxed that I had cut that I had. uh, uh. So, you know, Hollywood in general has an issue with black hair. 
So my experience, while it was egregious, it wasn't solitary, right? And when you think about all of our Black A-list stars, 99% of them are bewigged. Wow. Right? And if you do see some of their hair, it's hidden up behind underneath some piece, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's like, you see a little peekaboo, right? Like, I got hair, yeah. but it's just usually so you underneath know, it's the there. wig. Yeah, yeah, just so you know, it's there, but it ain't really, you know? And, yeah. and so the first season, I had this really high bar put on me from producers that like I had to wear more professional hair and a more like a looser curl pattern Mm -hmm. because at the end of the season I was like hey I want to wear curls because we're in this New Orleans humidity and what people don't understand is that like every day they have to do your hair every day so every day they have to flat iron your hair in between things Yes, sometimes between takes. Mm -hmm. So that is a lot of demand on your hair. And when your hair naturally is compromised, right? It's not the thickest, strongest, most resilient, right? You're going to see deterioration. So what people saw from season two to season three, where every episode, it seemed like my ponytail changed. Like I would have a completely different scalp construction was that I was chasing damage. So season two, when I came, I had those wet and wavy extensions. Well, after nine months of being in that hairstyle and black women who have done any protective styles know once you're in there for too many months, when you take down those braids, you don't know what you're going to find. And so after an episode that required two weeks of working underwater in chlorinated water in swamp water. I took those braids down and I had traction alopecia in the center of my skull. Wow. And this is 20 years old. So then we're like, you know, in my twenties, my late twenties. So Mm -hmm. this isn't like supposed to happen. So at the end of that season, we were working with like ponytail pieces, et cetera. Third season, I come back in a wig, like kind of in the same style as season one, but It's more the immediate perimeter of my hair. Well, in the middle of season three, I take down the braids from the wig and I can see the clear, even the diameter of my strands were different from the the leave out and the hair that was underneath the wig. And then between three and four, I go to get my hair colored and I have an inch of hair left on my perimeter. Wow. Which is why I came back in that hideous full lace wig for season four. And they would drag me. Yeah, they drag. Oh, you know, they drag me. You know, they drag me up and down and through. And it was hard. It was hard because, you know, trying to defend yourself against a bunch of, you know, voices when, you know, you're dealing with things with your job (laughs) it's just there's no there's no win right like you have to you have to just let people have whatever thoughts they're having yeah and zen out in that you accept that you can't change the way people think you can't give them the information you can't like people are going to think what they want to think and you have to find a way to live with that Yes, I'm imagining like on those sets, they didn't have any consideration for what was going on with your hair. They still wanted it a certain way. They didn't want to compromise with the styles to benefit you. I mean, 
Hollywood and like it's the way that those sets work is that they they find out that you have a problem and then eventually you become the problem, right? Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things that they do that undermine you getting the problem solved. And at the end of the day, if someone wants something, they're going to find a way to try to make that work. Mm -hmm. And if you're not going to be compliant or it can't happen, then it's like, you're obviously the issue. And so every year I would, in the middle of the year, like, hey, I'm having this issue. Uh, maybe I can help by doing this. Uh, okay, I'm having this issue. Well, you should have told us. Well, I did tell you, uh, but now I need this, you know? And so it was just like thing after thing after thing. And for me, I know how the business is. And if you have a problem and get fired, then you get that label. So for me, coming back for season four, it was just like, I kind of have to just leave because I, uh, I can't make this work. Like nothing that I've done has really helped my cause at all. It, in fact, I'm just getting hurt by this. Yes. So I need to step away. Yeah. Like to your knowledge, is this like a, a black thing or do like oh, white women go through this too with their hair? Like it's, absolutely a black thing yes you are gonna find a white woman who's gonna raise her hand and said I had a bad experience too but overwhelmingly it's black women that have this experience you know it's black women that normally have hair clauses in their contracts once they've hit a certain you know status in the business because it's an area that often gets overlooked neglected and we suffer same with makeup, right? Yeah, yeah. There are black women that have had horrible experiences in the makeup chair. And so this is a systemic thing. And I think that women need to understand, black women need to understand that, you know, you might be, you know, a teacher or somebody that's not moneyed and not like, you know, working some high, coof, highfalutin job you're thinking like, I'm having all these issues. It's a money thing. It's a money thing. Once I get the right amount of money, I'll be able to solve my black hair problems. And I'm here to tell you like at every level, it's the same thing. It's the same. That is insane. It's the same, but look around you and tell me I'm not telling you the truth. Like you may see your love and hip hop people with their ponytails. Like I, there were people that back in the day, they were like, why can't they make her ponytail look like, you know, they had named some reality star. And it's like, because she's shooting a scene in air conditioning, like. Right. In a controlled environment. Yeah. It's different. They're, they're asking for like Michael Jordan level things. And we're playing in a completely different arena. We're in a hockey arena, you know, like it's different. So like, look around you. No one solved this for themselves. No one's had it solved for them. No one who had Afro textured hair, like I just explained to you, has different hair today. Dang. And that's why I do see a lot of like actresses and stuff now um, advocating for their own makeup artists that they personally use or their own hairstylists that they personally use. Because to me, it seems like it's a foundational problem. Like 
um, just with qualified people as well that know how to actually deal with the hair, deal with the skin of you know, other people. Um, because I even interviewed a person before um, from Crown Hunt, um, Stephanie LaFleur, and she was telling me that even in cosmetology schools, they don't even teach up until maybe like a couple of years ago in cosmetology schools, they don't even teach how to do textured hair. And I That's was like I was blown gonna... away. I had no idea that that was happening. That's what I was going to say when you were like, they don't have qualified people. It's like, let's talk about the qualifiers. Most, the, the hair certifying body is the cosmetology board. Mm. And they don't even acknowledge Andre Walker's hair typing system. So like they teach hair is hair and pass out straight hair mannequins. Wow. So there's not even a detangling section for textured hair. So of course, people don't know anything about this hair. And when your job depends on making people look a certain way, you may feel incentivized to blame that person for why they look that way. Right. This is, this is crazy. Have you heard of the Black Beauty roster? I have not, actually. I think you should connect with them. I'm a, one of the owners is my client. I'm going to connect y'all because she's having this conversation and doing a lot of panels in like LA and like just all over, um, bringing on like celebrities to talk about exactly what you're talking about. Like, and she's trying, she's really advocating for the change, like having um, meetings with the unions and stuff like that. I met she's with really the unions. Yeah, she's I, advocating. I, I met with uh, a black woman who's been a department head. And, you know, went through everything. And, you know, for her, she was like, look, the union itself, they don't really deal with your abilities. It's really just about like work, right? Like only certain people are allowed to have these jobs, the unions. Yeah. So you pay to join a union, you pay your dues every year to continue to have access to these jobs. Mm -hmm. But there is no like, certification for these hair unions you get hired you pay your fee you're part of the union right you know right. so it's it's really pretty confounding actually how to solve the issue but yeah it's 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 mind-boggling <laughs> Yeah, this is this is a very interesting conversation. So tell us about, okay, so after you left NCIS, tell us about that journey that led you to, you know, trying to repair your hair that ultimately landed you this brand that you have now. Yes. So, you know, walking down the top from the top of the mountain, right? I had two, two major fears. The first fear was that I'd never work again. Hmm. But about six months later, after I left that show, it's 2019, I looked up and realized I did two recurring arcs on two different shows. Three months after I left, I worked on two shows. Okay. So that first fear, not founded. But the second fear was that I was going to have this experience again. Mm -hmm. And so in 2019, I kind of just came to like, had this come to Jesus moment where it was like, look, if you're going to continue to work in this business. You really must figure out how to save your hair. Yes. Because the truth was, even though I worked, both of those characters were still in wigs. Mm -hmm. So my fear was like, I'd get hired as a series regular again, 
and that the demand of that schedule on my hair, I would be in the same predicament. Mm -hmm. So I needed to solve some like age old black hair problems, right? <laughs> and it's like that imposter syndrome of who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? We've had these problems for generations. Yeah. Who do you think you are that you can solve this? And I was just like, well, no one is coming. So I might as well try. Mm-hmm. So because of my hair background, right? With my grandmother, I considered my grandmother a great black business owner. She was a learner. She would switch up that shop every few years, make it fresh. And, you know, she was open to different techniques and things, but she didn't know anything about actual hair. She knew how to hide it. She knew how to fry it. She knew how to lay it to the side, but she didn't know how to like thrive it. Yeah. So I was like, who talks about hair without this like erasure lens? Because saying that hair is hair is the definition of erasure. Like you're not even going to try is what you're saying. Right, right. So who talks about hair? Cosmetic chemistry. That is the science of hair for making hair products. So I got all of these like journals and things. And I had all of these questions about like, what is hair, right? Why does hair do this? Uh, <laughs> why do certain people hair do that? Like yeah. what, what, what? Give me some, some fill me in, right? The science. Yeah. So I, I learned like the three parts of hair, but most of us only have two. What cuticle health is. Cuticle health talks about porosity. I learned that I was high porosity. My experience was textbook. I had literal potholes in my cuticles. So my ends were always like sprayed. If I looked at a heat tool, I'd get that heat damage where the diameter of my strand would completely shrink down, right? So that's my cortex being literally sizzled, right? So then I'm learning about low porosity, the people whose water roll right off their strands. And then I learn about, okay, what are these, the the hair rituals that we have around our wash day, right? Like, why is it that when I sit with these over-the-counter products or oil or avocado or mayonnaise on my hair, all these like moisture treatments, (laughs) It never stays moisturized after I rinse it out. Why does my hair respond to water where if I like two strand twist it and then I get into some humidity, my hair stands straight up and it shrinks and it gets stiff. Like why, why does my hair behave in these ways? And then I learned about what was, what hair is made up of. And then I started, I, I had this question of like, what are the successful but non-white hair cultures doing? Because I know as a Black woman, I'm looking for natural ingredients. And that is a very raced belief that I need strong chemicals to tame my hair. Mm. I'm a human being. God created some plants to help heal me because I belong to this earth. Yes. So where the plants at? Where they at? They was in India. They were in, they were in India, they were in Eritrea, Ethiopia, they were in Greece. So I looked at their hair practices and their beliefs. The Indians uh-huh. believe that the people of India believe in Ayurvedic medicine. This mm-hmm. is the belief that you can heal human maladies at its core and not just the symptoms using plants. Yes. So what do they use? They use henna. The henna mud mask is sort of the cornerstone of, of Indian hair care. The men use it on their beards and the whole families use it from mother to children. 
And then every Indian family has their own henna mud recipe, right? Based on the needs that they have for their hair. Uh So some have more oil, some have more aloe vera, some are using Amlasha coffee, some are putting indigo to, to transfer that red to a more brown. And so I took like everything that I learned And then I was like, I'm not the only Black woman that has considered this. So what have Black women done? And it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And so then I deduced, okay, you must mix other things with your henna. You must not use hennas that have chemical or metallic salts. You also must deep condition after. But just sticking to these couple of rules, after my first treatment, so I'm in my kitchen in Toluca Lake in California, Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, all right, let me get this. I've done enough research. Let me, let me guinea pig myself. Yeah. I did that first treatment. And when I rinsed out the henna, now at this point, I've done bentonite clay and you got to see your curl with the clay on. But then, Right. You get excited. You're like, yes, I'm doing something. Even after adding product, I did not see a change in like my hair after the bentonite clay. So the henna, I put it on. I see it. Okay. I rinse it out. And while it wasn't that curly, it was still like I was waving. And so I had that like black girl, like, you know, I don't really trust. I don't know if I could trust you, you know, Mm -hmm. but by my third treatment, I decided like, I have to make this business because by that third treatment, weeks after the treatment, I had strong curl definition I wouldn't sleep with my bonnet on. And the next morning I would just use some water and my hair would hydrate and it would curl and it would hang. Like literally just reactivate whatever was on my hair. Mm. And like, and today, like that's, that's my experience. Like last night I just used some water and I, I like stretch my hair with these and I take it out and I'm good. I washed my hair seven days ago. This is like, seven day wash day right, right. now just, you don't have to do like the actual creating curls like your curls are just, they just there so pre-treatment I was set on fro post-treatment I'm set on curls so I was like every black woman's got to do this because what I was trying to do with the wash days you're doing two things you're treating and you're styling and so you know you can't style without treating because then your hair fall out eventually, right? Mm-hmm. So then the styling, you have to create the curl and then you're waiting all this time. And then you use a lot of products because you're trying to make your hair weigh down, right? You're trying to weigh it down. Henna does that for you. Henna literally has a high cationic or positive charge and it binds to the hair strand. So after the first treatment, the wave that I was seeing and my hair was hanging, I was like, I don't know if I can trust this, But week after week, and then treatment after treatment, the hang got heavier, the curl got more defined, and that's henna. So post-treatment life, when I want to actually like do a hair hair health moment, it looks Mm. like my wash day. I mix my henna, I put my henna in my hair, I let it sit, I might run, do an errand, or fall asleep, I rinse it out. And that was my hair health treatment. I decondition after, and then I just make my curls, 30 minutes Mm. and I'm done. And then every wash day is an an hour max, right? And I'm just refreshing in between because I don't have to treat my hair. I treated it and the treatment is still in it. Right, right, right. Oh my gosh, this is is really fascinating. So do you feel like 
if you had discovered this sooner, then the damage, do you think your hair still would have been damaged a little bit, like still getting it done every day? Or would this have like managed the amount of damage that you received on set from being on this, like a series regular? Yeah, so I actually can answer that. So post-treatment, um, I shot you six months. And in 2020, I did two Brazilian blowout treatments on my hair. So mm -hmm. now, you know, I have a business and I'm like learning what is possible for your hair post-treatment. And so I did two Brazilian blowout treatments. Ooh, blew the hair right out. But with the Four Naturals treatment, I was able to continue to grow my hair and the hair that I had left, like build it out a little bit, but I was still flat ironing it. Yeah. I shot six months of you. I began that show with 13 inches of hair. I left with 16 and we flat ironed my hair every day, did curls, did all this stuff. And my hair continued to grow. Wow. You get growth plateaus because the ends of your hair, your hair is only as strong as the, as its weakest link and the ends are the weakest. So you grow half an inch of hair a month from your scalp. When your hair stops at my shoulders or stops right below my ear or stops at my back, that's because by that point at that length of hair, your ends are so weak from what your daily rituals of hair styling and things mm -hmm. that by that point, it just breaks off. So you have to do something to interrupt that breakage. And henna does that because it literally coats it. So there's no breakage. The hair just continues. It's like a weed. And that's what everyone experiences who's used the four naturals treatment is just progression. This is really fascinating because I feel like there have been so many products for like the natural hair community, but I've never had, I've never heard it explained like this. Like my mind is like blown. I'm learning so much. You I'm know, so it's so like, for me, it was, I wanted, I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. No one's talking about the real issues with having Afro textured hair, like the real challenges that we're up against because at the end of the day, everyone's trying to make money, right? So, oh, we don't, there, there isn't a black curly shampoo. Let's make one, you yeah. know? We got to deal with this. We have a distribution deal with this large retailer. Let's create a company that sells this. Most of our black hair care lines were not started by black people and were not really created to better our hair. It right. was really created to, to fill a need, i.e. make money. Either fill a need or to damage us internally with yeah. all the chemicals that they have. Because I was talking to somebody, an, an, a hairstylist that has a, um, a hair brand now. And she was just talking about like, if you go to a beauty supply store that is in like a black neighborhood, you never see any products in there that like white people use. It's like, and you don't see like products like yours either. It's, it's like specific products in there that have like these harmful ingredients in there that are like literally catered to us because nobody, no other race is using it. So then we wonder why we have like this high case of fibroids or certain types of cancers or just other types of migraines migraines that like not to say that other cultures don't experience that but in the in the black community the african-american community people of color really experience these things and it really has to do with the products that are being marketed towards us and that are like strategically being placed in the places that we will shop for our products exactly exactly 
I mean, look at what's happening with the relaxer. And that's why I call the Four Naturals treatment the future of textured hair treatments, because all five of the relaxer manufacturers are currently in a class action lawsuit because of the link between cancer and all of these relaxers. Yeah. And so for me, I'm like, all right, Four Naturals is perfect because unlike the relaxer, with a four, when you have a Four Naturals treatment, when your hair gets wet, it's not limp and straight. You get amazing curls and you can flat iron your hair. And if you have some heat damage pre-Four Naturals treatment, you can heal that up. There's nothing on, on the market that can help you with heat damage. Mm -hmm. So the heat damage that we're talking about that causes you to get a big chop is when those ends don't curl back up, right? And then you're like, you just got to cut it because there's nothing that's going to give it shrinkage that's going to make it curl or coil until Four Naturals. With one Four Naturals treatment, the, the ends are the first thing to curl up. You may have some gassed out stuff in the middle, but it turns that heat damage that you would have to do this trauma cut with into like heat stress, right? Mm -hmm. That you can just like focus on, oh, there's a couple little ones. Let me just give them a little extra winding attention. And it's going to wind because it's literally saturated with plants that are willing to listen to whatever you tell it to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of big chop, I saw that you did like a grow with me challenge. You did a big chop with your hair. Was that like, did you do it? Did you do a big chop because of the damage or did you kind of do it as like a, a test of your products to show like how it works? Or no, both? it was both. It was okay. both. So as I told you, 2020, I did those two Brazilian blowout treatments. Mm -hmm. Now, while the Four Naturals treatment can improve your heat damage, it, for the chemical treatment, if you put any chemical on, it'll make your hair wave up a little bit, but you're never going to go back because you literally chemically altered your hair. So after you aired, I have the largest audience, you know, to, to talk to about Four Naturals. And I thought, what is one of the most dramatic things you can do to like demonstrate like the power of your treatment? Like, you know, put your money where your mouth is. So I cut off 13 inches <laughs> and I did the grow with me challenge of 2022 because it was like, I know that I get half a month, a half an inch of month of hair growth. And so by the end of the year, it's going to be fine. Yeah. And yeah, like I was straightening my hair in 2022. I was enjoying my curls and watching them grow. And every month I looked a little different. And today, I mean, the hair is just, yeah. it's so long. Like this is at like almost at my nipple. Yeah. So like the, it's at bra strap length in the back. So I'm good. And I treated my hair the maximum amount of times I would treat my hair is like maybe twice a month. And that was in a month that I used a heat thermal straightening. Yeah. So I treated my hair about once a month and I got to retain everything that I was growing. Ah, this is so cool. This is really exciting. I'm, I'm really excited for this discovery. <laughs> this is like really, really cool. And just like you mentioned earlier, you, you just seem like you're probably just naturally curious, like a researcher. Like you're just going to, you're going to figure it out. If, yeah. if one thing you're going to do, you're going to figure it out. Favorite thing. I love the research part. That's my favorite part. It's like, oh, I want to just know what everybody's already done 
so that I can see if there's like a thread, if there's like something that I can like add to like make it better. And I hacked my hair. So now as an actress, like I don't have any of the normal black actress limitation that I had before. Case in point, I shot a, a pilot for HBO Max last year at the end of last year. And in the last uh, scene, we're in the hot tub. And uh, I was wearing my natural curls for this, uh, for this character. And so um, the director on the day, that's industry speak for right before we shot, was like, I want Shalita to go under the water too and come up. My black, bald, male hairstylist had a conniption fit in the what? in the corner. What? Black girls can't get their hair wet. Like, what is she trying to do to me? Like, <laughs> we're gonna have to reset. It's gonna take forever to reset her. And ah, uh, uh. and so after that conversation, the director came back to me and was like, Shalita, what is gonna happen to your hair when it gets wet? And I said, it's gonna curl. And so take after take after take. I go under the water, I go up the water, and in between takes and the moving the camera, one uh, take change, like see a camera change, one of the hair people looked at me, a white woman, and was like, I mean, you got to be mixed, because (laughs) we, we have to make those curls, and I'm like, come sit next to me. Let me show you the Four Naturals treatment. There's no DNA mix. This is just plants. Right. So, okay. So my hair has been locked for 15 years. So it's very hard for me to remember my hair loose, you know, loose naturally. My hair has been natural all my life. I never had like a perm or anything, but like, so, okay. So before four naturals, are you saying that if I were to get my loose natural hair wet, it would, it would just be like an Afro. It wouldn't curl, but with the four naturals, like you can get it wet. And you will still have your natural curl there because of the products that are coating the hair. Yes, because the henna that's in your hair. Yes. Okay. Aha <laughs> uh-huh, moment. Because I'm really trying to, I really don't really remember my my hair like out. Okay, it's it. funny. It's funny that you bring this up because yesterday, not yesterday, Sunday, we had a live Q&A. So uh, once a month, I make myself available via Zoom. We send out the link. Mm-hmm. If you got questions, I'll do my hair for you. I'll show you videos, like whatever. Because I really want to create a community where I'm accountable to the people that use the treatment. Because I know what I'm saying is like, fuck wild, but it's true. Yeah. And so I want to make sure that, you know, everyone is supported. So I had two women show up in the last one and the one of them was combing out her dreads as we spoke and was like, um, like she bought the treatment. She was like, so I just show up to make sure that you're saying what you're saying. And I'm like, look, there are three treatments in every jar. Oh my God. <laughs> three treatments in every jar. By the end of the jar, you will be a total star. This is a first treatment result, right? Yeah. So like I always say low porosity, you might find after your first treatment that once you rinse out the conditioner, it's a fro again, but it's definitely softer. But when you add a gel or a curl cream, whatever curl product, your hair is going to curl, right? And for low porosity people, you have more oil in your cuticle naturally. So for my low porosity curl friends, I always say, 
always use a clarifying shampoo after using like styling products. Mm-hmm. But by that third treatment, even the second treatment, I had a podcast host who got the treatment and she was a skeptic and she's gray hair. And the first treatment, she didn't let it sit for very long, but she was like, yeah, it's definitely softer, but I was afraid about the tint. And then the second treatment, she was like, okay, it definitely tinted my hair, but you know, I told her it'll, it'll rinse out like really white hair. It doesn't stay, but she was like, Shalita, I can detangle my hair with water. Like Mm. what in the hell? (laughs) My hair is usually hard and like water, like doesn't do anything by that second treatment, low porosity, my lowest porosity, you really get the difference. But my high porosity curl friends, like that first treatment, there is a salon. Uh, there's a salon, Hose Hose Salon. That's one of, uh, they carry the Four Naturals treatment. She put it on her Instagram. One treatment this young young lady did. Um, that morning was a bad hair morning because she tried to do a ponytail, but it was puffy. And uh, uh, she did the one treatment. She had curls for the rest of her life. Literally the two weeks between her first and second treatment, she went to the pool. She sweating after school activities and it was just curls. And the ponytail, like if you just get your hair wet and slick it, it's going to be slicked down. You'll By four o'clock, you like, oh my God, I can't believe it's still slick. You know, like yeah. it's different hair. This is so cool. So what exactly is involved in the, it's a four-step process, right? Yeah. For yeah. the treatment. So what exactly is the four steps? So you can do the detangling method at the beginning, or you can do the detangling method when you use the deep conditioner. But the first step is the patent pending detangling technique. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to end that phenomenon of handfuls of my hair on the side of the bathtub after detangling. Mm-hmm. What I learned was this is a slip issue and a, a device issue, but also a mindset issue. We detangle our hair like we have straight hair. You don't have straight hair. You have curly hair. Even if you're like, it's a fro. Whenever I did this for a four naturals hair spa client, the first step, they're like, I know my hair could do this. And it's like, girl, wait. Um, (laughs) But when you follow those very simple instructions, but adjust some of the things that you're used to doing, you get amazing detangle curly hair. Shampoo your hair. Add your henna mud mask. Leave it on for as long as you like. Why leave it on for two hours when you could sleep with it on, right? Like the longer you leave it in, the better because more of that henna is absorbing. You rinse that out. Step three, deep condition. Put the deep conditioner all through your hair. Don't put a little bit and do like that. No, go through section by section and make sure that you are deep conditioning your hair. And then right before you're ready to rinse it out, not right after you put it in, If you want to detangle your hair, add your detangling oil and then detangle. Why wait? Because the Four Naturals deep conditioner, Cassia deep conditioner has Cassia in it. Cassia obobata acts like henna in that it attaches to the strand. So if you immediately start detangling after you put the deep conditioner in, you're wasting the product. Just be patient and let it sit, my dear. And then right before you're ready to rinse, then go through and detangle and it'll be the slippy, slipperiest, easiest detangle of your life. 
rinse that out. And step four is literally the rest of your life. So mm. you can use some gel, leave-in conditioner and gel and detangle your hair. You can flat iron it if you want. Like now you're free to do whatever you want, but we usually start with that wash and go. So you can see like, oh, I would tell my sister about this because she normally wears her hair um out like just her her curls or whatever but she I'm sure that she she definitely because I think last time I saw she had like twists or something so she's making her curls Mm -hmm. so and she has gray hair as well she's born with gray hair so (laughs) I would be curious to see how like it works on her hair I'm going to tell her about this this is so cool it might be silky smooth girl it just might well I have a a never have a ever question for you no need to be scared it's pertaining to hair um so if this has happened to you before you can share a story behind it if not we already know get the four naturals products so you can avoid what I'm about to ask you so the question is never have I ever avoided certain activities just to protect a hairstyle have you ever done that if so like what activities were you like avoiding hell yeah oh are you <laughs> kidding my favorite word was no <laughs> back then I mean because it just takes so much to get your hair back to looking presentable mm-hmm. like it can take days from you know the event to when you actually get your hair settled back right, right? So going to the beach, mm-hmm. I actually didn't think that my hair had anything to do with the beach, why I didn't like going. I thought it was just the sun, the sand, you know, that kind of stuff. But the truth is I wore wigs. So I would, <laughs> my life pre-treatment was I would wear a hair hat. That's what I called my wig. And I would put a hat on top of the hair hat, right? Like mm-hmm. redundant, right? And the idea of getting my hair wet with ocean water with this wig, like it's two different textures. Like when am I going to be able to get that back right? And I'm going to have to wash that before I, so that means I have to take all this down. Like it's, it's logistics, right? So the beach, sometimes I would skip the gym, right? Because I noticed in wig life, when I would wear my gym wig, And even if I switch my gym wig to my, you know, whatever wig, my scalp still had the sweat and stuff. So over time it would smell. Yeah. So yeah, like I would skip that. And sometimes even sex, right? Like you got to plan that based on what's going on on top of your head, you know, like, do I want to mess this up or do I want them to see this? Do I want like, there are, there are way more things to consider. Mm-hmm. So post-treatment, I'm completely free, like yeah. the freest I've ever been. Like, don't even check a bag when I travel to different countries because I can literally use whatever products they have mm-hmm. because my hair is balanced. So going to Japan last year, I didn't check a bag to go to Japan for hair products. Of course right. not. Like I just brought my clothes and stuff because my favorite thing to do is go to the hair store and find like whatever like products they have. And I got the best gel of my life from Japan for like a dollar. Like the curls are like hang a They're super shiny. They keep the form for super long. Like I have a, a real relationship with hair products now because they work consistently and they work better than, you know, ever like pre-treatment. Mm-hmm. And so I'm more in the driver's seat for 
you know, oh, there's residue with that one. Like I, I have more choice now, like way more choice. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is so cool. How has the industry or like, yeah, your industry in particular uh, received, well, no, is it your industry or just like the hair industry in general? How have they received um, this, this new discovery, this product that you have now or these yeah. products? So I feel that the, the uphill battle that I have with getting the word out for four naturals is definitely money. You know, I'm bootstrapping. Um, people love to compare uh, like pattern and I go, yeah, um, but the difference mm. between four naturals and literally any like curly product on the market is that they say that you have to use their product to get curls. Like use my curl cream and you'll have the best curls. Yeah. The four naturals treatment says, if you treat your hair, all products will give you curls, right? Right. And the other thing is that, you know, I just learned this, but like Pattern Beauty was started by an investment group. Uh, there are a lot of investment groups that already have distribution channels, already have deals, and they invest in these celebrity companies. So while she's founder and CEO, yeah. she didn't like really start this the way that I started this in the kitchen, right? right, right. Like her story looking for a face. Yeah, yeah, like Fabletics, right? Like mm. they literally, I had a lawyer tell me this, um, that they literally put in an algorithm who would be a good celebrity and they found like that's the one that that they picked and she was available. Yeah. Um, so, so it's definitely money, but it's also what we're used to, right? Like it's that age old, like the traditional hair models. So when I sit down, when I finally get an opportunity to sit down and talk to hair professionals about the Four Naturals treatment, I have to re-educate them about henna because the cosmetology board says henna is bad. That's what they remember. Mm. But what they say is that there are some hennas that contain chemical and metallic salts. These salts react poorly with color. So in their minds, henna is bad for color, full stop. Yeah. But with the Four Naturals treatment, I show them my color examples. And actually the Four Naturals treatment makes your colored hair grow better. Like that's the difference. So it's really just busting through what people are used to. And it's also finding those like hair experts and getting them to agree. Because the other thing is everything is money. So yeah. like you, you, this, this hair professional has an entire, like they built their whole livelihood on a bunch of shampoos, conditioners, hair creams, and gels in mm -hmm. their name. And here I come saying like, actually you can use anything. You just have to treat your hair. Like that doesn't really always, it's not in their best interest always. Yeah, so yeah. it's just finding right now, um, I'm start, I'm open now to, you know, working with other like investors and things to work in their channels, right? Like you have the market for this. Mm -hmm. And with the relaxer, the UK, they just put out a ban or something on the relaxer. Well, in the US, that's on its way. They, they're, you know, asking for a full on ban. So what are you going to do to replace this revenue, right? You're going to use the Four Naturals treatment. Wow. This is this is like a, a bigger conversation that's about to happen. <laughs> With the Much bigger conversation. That is interesting. So Shalita, so, okay. So at the end of the day, have you thought about like what you want your legacy to be with doing this? Because I feel like this is truly changing the game. It's, it's going to definitely change the way 
um, Black women in particular have been, whatever perceptions that they have of their hair, um, just from birth, a lot of them haven't even seen their natural hair. So having a product like this is definitely going to change the narrative for a lot of us. So have you thought about like what you want your legacy to be with you creating this brand? Yeah. So one of my like ancestors that I've like, I've loved this woman and her story since I was in elementary school. And that's Madam CJ Walker. Mm. I actually just sent an email to somebody with the subject line, like biggest black hair uh, contribution since Madam CJ Walker's hot comb. Um, <laughs> this might be the title for the, uh, the podcast. Shoot. Hey, I love it. But like with her, like what she did for us back then with the tools, but also she had like creams and things like teaching black women about their hair. I, I kind of feel like I'm picking up that baton and I, you know, got my patent, you know, application in. So we're patent pending. We're prosecuting that patent right now. Um, I am, my lawyers are prosecuting because I say weeks, I have a company, but I'm the yeah. founder. I'm the sole founder of this company. Um, but I want my legacy to be like colloquially, she made all, she set all the black baddies free. <laughs> yes. You, you know, ripping off their wigs and everything. Take it off. Take it off. You got hair. Like this woman here. I'm like, she, she was like, my pre-treatment life, my hair is so thick that putting it into a ponytail, it would take over an hour and a half. And I had to do it for my job. So sometimes I would just wear a wig because it's easier to put into a ponytail. But for me, I'm like, why is it when you have Afro textured hair, it being thick is a problem, right? Mm -hmm. Like you add pieces to get volume, right? When you have it naturally. Post-treatment, you can't tell her nothing. You know what I mean? Like the curls are curling, the hair is thick and luscious, looks like she has tape-ins, clip-ins, whatever, but that's her, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's what I want for Black women. I want us to be at the beach, like, I want them to have the experience that I had the first time I went with my dog. I'm like in the water, like, bitch, you can't tell me nothing. Yes. You know, like, they watch. Like, I want to see Black women on vacation without braids. You know what I mean? I want Black women to have that freedom of, I could go anywhere and get anything and look amazing, you know? And so that's what I want my legacy to be. I want for Black women, after I've left this earth, for Black women for Black men and their beards, for Black children no longer crying, getting their hair detangled to be like Shalita Grant. Like she she made this happen for us. Absolutely. And it will. It will. You're definitely changing the game. Is there anything that's coming up next for you and the brand that you could share? What's coming up next for me and the brand? Well, we started advertising on Tubi. Um, so <laughs> look out for that. Um, we have our uh, summer 99 sale. Uh, but this year, I'm hoping to make some serious strides in getting more distribution. Um, so we'll see what happens. Nice. We have a, um, a store here in D.C. We have a couple of stores, actually. There's also, okay, what is the, the Black Beauty Collective in Chicago? Uh-huh. I had her on the show, but she's a, a place that has like all black owned um, businesses. So the Black Beauty Collective, we have, ah, 
what is it called? I, I want to say it's Vea. If not, I'll, I'll send it to you. If it's not Vea yeah. Beauty, but it just opened in, in DC. There's like a, a little boutique um, beauty supply store with all black owned products. And there's another one. She changed the name. It was called the Black Beauty Collective, but it's something else now um, here in DC that also carries like all black owned brands that you can get in retail, girl. They need yeah. you. We they need you do. here. They do. And it's a premium treatment. So I mean, Black women, we spend so much on our hair, but it's like other people's hair. So like one of my, uh, she's in the beta, the beta um, monthly program. Uh, she's a regular wig wearer, but her hair has completely deteriorated under the wig. So she's wig dependent. And so for the past few months, she's been using the four naturals treatment and she's like, oh my God, the thing is banging. I got hair. I got curls. Like in a couple months, I'll feel more comfortable like coming out of this wig and like getting to show that off. I'm retaining my growth. Like my wig is kind of sitting up now. Like it's a different life. And so, yeah, everyone can really use this treatment. If yeah. you have a wig business, offer them the four naturals treatment to care for their hair under the hair, you yeah. know? Yeah, absolutely. This is oh, this is so great. I'm definitely going to DM you the um the pages please, um, when please. I so you can have the right ones. But before you go, girl, I have to ask you the the Friends of Beauty rapid fire questions. Okay. So I know you're going to be great. Whatever comes to your mind, just spit it out. If you need to elaborate, that's fine too. Okay. So, what are the top three keys to your success so far? Always willing to learn open to healing, always being open to being taught or being wrong. Like I never think that what I'm thinking is the end all be all. I'm open to learning. But that's the first one. <laughs> I guess like willing to try it. Like I'm a doer. Okay. How do you measure your success? How do I measure my success? I measure my success. I, I use this like the saying, like the only valid comparison is between yourself then and now. So if I'm working, if I'm closer to where I want to be today than I was yesterday, that's success. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, I like that. Um, what is the best piece of what is the best piece of advice you've ever received, or a piece of advice that's just always stuck with you? Hmm. So much, so much, just so many things, Lord. Uh, but I think that. I don't know, this, this doesn't really have to do with hair. It's really just like life. Mm -hmm. But um, I did a show with Sigourney Weaver and I had a bad day one day and I apologized for like, I was like crying and she was like, you're allowed a range of emotions. Mm -hmm. I like that. You are allowed a range of emotions. Absolutely. Yeah. So and never judging how I feel really yeah. just being a real friend to myself. Like you have that emotion. Why not? You have that emotion. You're bad. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah. I like that. I like that. What advice would you give to someone who was going through their natural hair journey? Like they just embarked on it and they're just like, mm, I don't know about this. I think I might just go back and start, you know, relaxing my hair again. What like advice would you give them? I would tell them do the four natural treatment. I know everyone is going to tell you, oh, use this cream or use this gel or use this company. I want you to improve your life. Like a good friend is going to tell you your wig is showing. 
<laughs> a better friend is going to get you out them wigs completely, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. What's a resource that helps you or has helped you in your business that you can share with the friends and beauty community? <laughs> well, besides Google. Um, <laughs> people save it when I'm like, I'm here for it. Yes. I have Google everything. Um, in like in full sentences too. Um, but I would say, I would say, uh, so many, but for business, I think I would start with a book and Mm -hmm. that book would be the E-Myth. If you're, if you're someone like me, like, you know, I told you my parents were kids. My mom was 18. My dad was 17 when they had me. Um, they've been entrepreneurs at different points in their lives, but I wouldn't consider them like successful. Right. So I didn't have a model. And so if you're, if you don't have a model for how to be a successful business owner, start with the e-myth because that book, the entrepreneur myth, uh, it goes into like, look, you might've started your business because you're good at this one thing, but being an entrepreneur, it's like these three parts. Mm -hmm. So like you got to grow, like entrepreneurship is really spiritual growth, right? It's really like, I'm not used to doing this and it's really my emotions holding me back. So how do I grow to be able to take action? And Mm -hmm. that's a great book. It's a lot of wisdom. I love it. I'm definitely going to pick that up for sure. I don't have a lot of entrepreneurs in my family, so I don't have any examples of that either. So, And I feel like too, that like that not having an example really feeds into the imposter syndrome. And what I found is that the imposter syndrome makes you stop. And Mm -hmm. so if you can arm yourself with knowledge, then when your imposter syndrome says, says, you don't know what you're doing, you can say, I don't know what I'm doing right now. Yeah. I'm going to go learn. And so it's a pit stop and not like a complete like stop. Absolutely. Yes. So the last one, I just want you to fill in the blank and just say, my name is, you know, blank Shalita. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the key to longevity and success is whatever you think it is. Okay. My name is Shalita Grant and the key to growth and growth and longevity and success. success. (laughs) Okay. Got Mm -hmm. it. I gave up my answer. Um, My name is Shalita Grant, and the key to longevity and success is having a growth mindset. Mm, A growth mindset, yes. Yes, I've I've read a lot about that, (laughs) the growth mindset. I'll be be in my head, girl. You ain't got it yet. It's like, oh. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Before you go, please share all of your information, like social media, however you want people to connect with you. Get some Four Naturals products, stay a part of the journey, get in your Zooms, like have whatever you want to share. Yes. So our IG is Four Naturals Hair and our website is www.fournaturalshair.com. If you go to our community page, you can sign up for our live Q&As, see podcast episodes. And uh, our education page is full of everything you need to learn about your pre-treatment hair, for naturals and your post-treatment life. Awesome. Well, I have to say like, this is, it, this has truly been a pleasure because I have learned so much, even though my hair is locked now, I do have a lot of friends that have natural hair that I will be sharing this information with. I learned so much today. So I really appreciate you for your time, your, your knowledge, everything that you shared, um, just about the industry, like praying for change and continued success for you, of course. Thank you so much. And I-
Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Friends in Beauty podcast. Don't forget, sharing is caring. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with another friend in beauty. Give it a thumbs up and subscribe. Rate and leave a five-star review so that other friends in beauty can find the show. Plus, we'd love to hear your feedback. Connect with us on all social media platforms at Friends in Beauty. Hashtag Friends in Beauty to join the conversation and join our Friends in Beauty Facebook community to stay connected. Talk to you soon.